Hey, it's Bill Simmons from The Ringer, and this is a podcast called The Rewatchables. We have been doing it really since 2017. It started with how much we love the movie Heat. We decided to structure a whole podcast with categories, most rewatchable scene, who won the movie, Apex Mountain, what age the best. But here's the thing. If you want the full archive, you can hear them only on Spotify for free, by the way. So make sure to follow The Rewatchables on Spotify. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. I need support staff to clear the room. Stand up and walk. Now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com and joining me in the studio, he's not like this because he's in Van Halen. He's in Van Halen because he's like this. It's Andy Greenwald! It's, it's great. It's great to see you. It's great to see you, man. a lot to talk about. You know, this is an uh, atypical recording experience for us is because you, you arrived today with mm. me and Kaya were here. Chomping at the bit. That's not atypical, for the record. <laughs> Me arriving after the two of you is quite typical. And then you were like... Some news. Daddy needs to... Some personal news. Daddy needs to watch the rest of episode six of The Bear. So I watched your face as you watched that episode. Yeah, my nerves are great. <laughs> my nerves are calm. It's only six months to Christmas. I've never been happier to be an only child. Uh-huh. You know, not usually something I say, but it's really... These last few moments has really helped me. It's, re- it's tough because I'm a childless only child. So right. I have to contemplate like some true Charles Foster Kane shit at I mean, the like end of my life. Sitting quietly at a table with a nice meal. <laughs> That's not how it feels. That sounds you know? great. Yeah. And yeah, but but seeing like the, the family get together in the mm. bear episode six, we're going to be talking about that. We're also going to talk about the idol. We never stop. No. And, and for the record, I feel bad. Like... I, I do the work, you know, but I, I my no, excuse is I went to a professional baseball game yesterday. Yeah, how did that go? Well, boy, that pitch clock, that really... So, I mean, honestly, the first time I went to a baseball yeah. game with the pitch clock, I was like, did I get my money's worth? I would say probably not. I did get um, some free baseball because it was an extra innings affair oh. between the hometown Dodgers, whom I have no feelings about, and the visiting Houston Astros, whom I loathe. Yeah. As did the other members of the right field <laughs> seats where I was sitting, who introduced. Did you my, sit in the bleachers? No, but like way down on the right field line. Okay, which I wouldn't recommend. No, um, a lot of sun now down there. A, a lot of sun. B, you are just looking at Jason Hayward's stand. <laughs> you cannot see the batter's box. You cannot see the pitchers. And I'd spent this whole time prepping the girls, and and my older daughter was like vaguely expressing some interest in, in maybe learning the rules of this thing we were making her do. Uh-huh. And then I was like, now look at this grass. And so she was like, it's not real grass. And I was like, ah, ha, ha, when I was a youth, there was a fake grass that gave everyone on the Phillies brain cancer. Next subject. <laughs> the point being, she learned a lot Don't of words. Don't you dare desecrate Veterans Stadium. It's true. Have you been reading the reporting? What reporting? The Philadelphia Inquirer reported that the AstroTurf on... The, uh, that at the vet. You, at the vet is why, like... 11 members of the Phillies have had glioblastomas, okay. including Darren Dalton and John Vukovic. This is real. Is this from like the Epic Times? Like, No, it's, no it's from this the is Aguirre. real and horrifying. Okay, I didn't see this. But separate and apart from that, the Astros 
And when the Astros are winning, really brings out like a brotherhood of men, like just like a like a a, a real civic spirit. Yeah. And Kyle Tucker's last name does rhyme with with suck, some some cool stuff. Some other yeah. words. Yeah. So I say we spent a little time in the baseline club, which had some free soft serve. So that was cool. But the other thing about baseball, Chris, and this is what people tune in for. Uh-huh. I know Kaya is riveted. Is um, in addition to all these other cockamamie like pitch clock rules, whatever bigger bases. Do you know that they start extra innings with a free runner? Uh, yeah. So there's just a dude on second. Yeah, hanging out on. They got to wrap it up, man. And in this baseline club where we were taking solace from the sun, there was a, a little boy who appeared to have no parents. <laughs> he was wearing a Mookie Betts shirt. He was young. And he was watching the game, but he had no one talking to him, so he just kept talking to us. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, see, I, I, I had read that there's about this what? free base runner <laughs> what, uh, about the failed coup Did you guys know that uh, the implosion they experienced on the sub happened faster than human minds can process? He was like, I was like, oh, so there's a free runner on second. And he was like, no, the commercials, they take too long. Number 11 got a hit. And I was like, son, that's just simply not true. Rob Manfred is on the case. That's, anyway. I don't know what we're talking about anymore, but... Was this, why did you make this boy sound like little Zelensky? He kind of was. Like, he had a lisp. Okay. Not like Zelensky, but it, it had a vague, you know... He was, it was sweet. He wanted to talk to me about... And then, like, the inning ended, and the Astros were winning, and he was like, that's game over. And I was like, it, it's not. It's not. They, they let the home team... So this kid another- had a Mookie Betts jersey, didn't understand what innings were. No, but again, in his no, defense, they changed the... the problem with the American education system. <laughs> With like the, the focus on we value uh-huh. like the accoutrement. We like it's it's all about yeah. acquiring grails, you know, getting your jersey, but you don't know what the actual bread and butter rules of the game. I've heard are. you've had a lot of opinions about grails recently. <laughs> I have. That I is something have. you've you've really been thinking about. <laughs> um, last baseball related question, like Chris, how do you feel about? Look, we're we're American men of a certain age. We like to go to the old ball yard, maybe have a a, a drink, a beer, mm-hmm. cold beer. In my mind, the beer you get is like the dude of the backpack at, you know, just like fills you up like a, a Bud Light or whatever. No, not like nitrous backpack. That's in the parking lot. I mean, like the beer, like just like draft beer. Uh-huh. But the move towards like the gas can. Yeah, costs yeah, like $27. Yeah. The Modelo the size of your arm. Which yeah. is really exciting <laughs> for the first two and a half minutes. And then it's just tepid and big. <laughs> I know. Right? Yeah, I think the idea is that you're supposed to crush that. The can when you're done on no, your No, I think you're supposed to move through it a little faster than we maybe do in these, this day and age. Do you think I carry myself in the world as someone who crushes... 22 ounces of Modelo, <laughs> just like pure... In, in, in direct sunlight? <laughs> like, everyone hydrated on this row? <laughs> Thanks, fellas. That would explain why you thought that kid had no parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were just walking up to random boys. Like, are you, like... are, do you have sunscreen on, son? And I was like, yes, the Astros are known cheaters, but are you known hydrators? <laughs> I'm I'm fun, is the end of this story. I'm they fun. So I didn't another, finish watching The Bear. Another eastbound down season where you're like the baseball explainer, you know? People love it. it uh, there is, though, I will say that like I was trying to explain extra innings to my children, and then I stopped speaking, and I heard vague susurration voices, basically, of like other fathers trying to explain extra innings to their children. It doesn't go great. Um... I don't really have a like an entertaining story from it, the weekend. It's just that if you try to explain baseball to someone who truly doesn't care, I've done it before to English people. It's worse than if you're yeah. trying to explain a dream you. But had. for English people, you could just be like, "It's like cricket, but faster." There was the moment when I lost them when I was like, "There," because they understand three strikes and you're out. And I was like, "If it's not a strike, it's called 
a ball. Uh-huh. And they're like, what are they throwing before then? Right. You're done. You're getting who's on first territory. You're done. Uh, so you, you watched the Dodgers. Did the Dodgers win? I didn't check no. the score. Um, you got home. Any fireworks? No. Uh, that was the reason why we were staying that long. But no, the fireworks um, only on uh, certain nights. And then you make yourself a cup of chamomile tea. <laughs> you want to talk? <laughs> Put- and uh, you know what? I bet Tedros is a, a Padres fan. Just a zag. I, a Padres fan? Oh, yeah. a million percent. He's like, he's into Machado, you know? But not, but he, he wears the camo jersey. <laughs> You know what I mean? The camo Machado <laughs> jersey. The troops. <laughs> That's a part that we hope we get more of in season two is the weekend's character yeah. in the idol being like a super big support the troops. I guy. love it because the thing is, there's so much more road for this character. Yeah. You know, there's a lot. I thought you were going to do a zag I was hoping you wouldn't do, which is like, so you make yourself some tea, tell the children to join you on the couch, <laughs> and like, like Ashley Schaefer, BMW, you let the children watch. No, I don't think that even you adventurous Even and w- would would allow your children to to set foot in the world of the idol. <laughs> and that's good. Yeah, that's good. It's good. Yeah. It's good. It's good. But I did then, yeah, I fired up TV and because I am and because I am your friend, I watched the idol first. You can do whatever you want, man. I, I want you to feel like mm-hmm. this this is like a like you have equity in this podcast, you know, and we you have equity in our relationship. I've spoken to Daniel Eck and I do not. <laughs> I do not. But thank um, you. Idol episode four. We got two left after this. Mm, what a journey it's been. Uh, a turn towards in some ways like straight up film noir in this one, you know? Really? <laughs> That's generous. Please continue. Well, it's just a genre. You know what I mean? Mm. But I think that the machinations of both the Tedros character and also his effect on Jocelyn. Are you just I'm loving this? No, you do it then. Can no, you, explain. I'm explain. not look. You're like, like the third man, this was visual entertainment filmed <laughs> in the camera. <laughs> yeah, no, it it, it was. In the sense yeah. that actors were performing scenes. Much like Casablanca, two people kissed in this oh. show. <laughs> show. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, and in very similar to Singing in the Rain, there yeah. was music. Yes. So really. And much like the Green Mile, someone was shocked. <laughs> right? Yeah. I could do this. Um, this is fun. What was your favorite part about this episode? When the credits came on at the end. Okay. No. Okay. What's my favorite yeah, part? I'm, I'm challenging you to find some... Uh, to, to, give me your redemptive qualities here. Wow. In the um, show, not in yourself. Oh, I think I'm a good listener. <laughs> <laughs> I've got equity in one mildly successful podcast. Just learned about it. A comprehensive understanding <laughs> of the game of baseball. Especially the new rules. Yeah. Chris? No, it's it's funny. It's let like, me begin. I OPS. did the exact same thing that you did when I went and saw the Diamondbacks play the Dodgers early mm-hmm. in the year. I came out, I was just like, guys, I got to talk about these rules for like three days. And then nobody cared. I definitely said the word suicide squeeze out loud. We're not allowed to, we're not allowed to say that anymore. Oh, that didn't occur to me. Do we not say that anymore? Oh, right. No. I, I, I just meant I was wrong. Do they like call it, it a suicide squeeze anymore? Do you feel like Rob Manfred is woke? Is this, is, oh, is this Rob Manfred has the woke mind virus? Is this where we're going to avoid talking about last night's episode of The Idol? You're the one who's, you're on the clock. I asked you to give me your favorite part of last night's episode aside from the credits rolling. Okay. Did you like Divine Randolph? Because I thought she was quite awesome in this episode. Okay, yeah. She was, I mean... I thought the Destiny plot would be like... This is what made me almost like have the film noir thought is like mm. she is almost like a private detective investigating wow. this. And I was like, oh, this would have been kind of a cool wrinkle 
they they've obviously like they've had Haim and her check in on this. They mm-hmm. know what's happening, but almost it would have been an interesting. I think because of the bear, I'm thinking a lot about POV, and I'm thinking a lot about like how how different shows could be shaken up in the way that the bear so right. casually changes the entire chessboard mm-hmm. episode to episode. And uh, she just brought a completely different energy and I thought was the audience avatar in a lot of ways. Like a, she's seasoned, she's been in the business, she understands what she's talking about, but at the same time, she's like, what the fuck is happening here? But also, what the fuck is she doing? And what the fuck is she talking about or thinking? There are two tracks to talk about this show. Okay. This was the episode where I was like, I think this is pretty reprehensible. Like, This truly. is the episode that you thought yeah. that? Yeah, okay. I did, because I was trying to give it the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> no, you weren't. I, I was, for three weeks, I was. Well, you were watching it. Doesn't mean you're giving no, it the benefit I was of the like, doubt. I was like, there may be some... I, I, I was trying to not assume ill intent. Uh-huh. I don't think there's ill intent. But I was like, they are... If I could try to see, like you were just doing, the shape of the influences or the type of story that may be interested them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And are they steering towards that? In which case, some of the things that rubbed me the wrong way or I didn't think were working maybe could be excused narratively or thematically or whatever. This is the one to me where the wheels fell off. Is that because um, you just hate seeing Mike Dean's talents wasted in this way? I feel like Mike Dean was probably showing, sharing his truth. Does Mike Dean know he was on a show? So Mike Dean, uh-huh. hero of Tedros, friend of Tedros, <laughs> Truly, you know, a, a legend in that, like, coming from the Houston scene, like, plays, like, with everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Kanye, Travis Scott, um, a little singer-songwriter known as The Weeknd. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, so he's playing a character of a guy who just just bongs it up all the time. And then I was like, let me Google Mike Dean. And, and marijuana? No, just Google Mike Dean and be like, is there something about his character? Is he a prankster? Yeah. You know? And then it's like, Mike Dean has released four solo studio albums. 420 on April 20th, 2020. 422 on April 22nd, 2021. Smoke State, 42222 on April 222222. And 423 on April 29th, 2023. So, to answer your question, I think he thought he was at a weekend recording session at the weekend's house where he's been before. Yes. And his look of, oh, you know what I enjoyed? I enjoyed his look of bemusement when he was tickling the ivories. And weekend was karateing Rob? Yes. I enjoyed yeah. that. So thank you for steering me to that answer. Okay. Um, you were saying how this show is reprehensible. I was. Yeah. But that's not where I want to begin because I don't think that's as interesting and I don't want to be a ball stopper in your offense. That's okay because here. today, I know that that was a concern of yours. That your negativity might yeah. be like slowing things down. So what we need to talk about is what superhero you think Jocelyn's ex-boyfriend was playing. Oh. Um, well, first of all, he's a great actor. Just across the board, just very expressive and definitely should not have had his mask on for as much of the film as he did. Because that guy was just giving just shades. You know what uh-huh. I mean? It's like, what is his motivation? What? Tell me more about his backstory. Is he, was he, would he be invited to the Burzato Christmas dinner? Sure. And like, could he hang? A lot of latex, as we're told. So, and I don't think he can do the Whedon banter. So I don't think he's MCU. Okay. And so also, The he's... Idol is a Warner show. You so know. you think he's DC? Yeah, yeah. But I don't. Do you think, think he like gets killed in the first scene of Peacemaker season two or something? I mean, that would be a great out for me from this <laughs> <laughs> because I don't know who lives and dies in Peacemaker. Um, the problem with the show for me, Chris, at this moment is because it's going to run for a long time. Clearly, um, it's completely fucking incoherent. It's completely incoherent, 
and so give me an example it, of what you're and talking it, about. It's like the Xander stuff? And it's wasting everyone's time, okay. frankly, with the resources that it has to be doing this. And I think that sucks. Um, is Tedros a compelling and charismatic cult leader who draws people to him? Potentially, because that's what the show is built around this idea. He has apparently collected a menagerie of broken toys, all of whom are geniuses, mm -hmm. per destiny, right? That crocodile song was good. Okay, we'll circle back to that. Also, he is a fucking clown. And in interviews, yes. definitely not face-saving interviews, Abel's going around being like, oh, he's supposed to be a dork. This is supposed to be ridiculous. Okay, so he's ridiculous too. So then Jocelyn is ridiculous mm -hmm. for falling for him. And, and Jocelyn, so, I'm not sure Jocelyn has a lot of uh, relatable real-world experiences. You know, I, so I don't know that she has the best like like radar for as her. as a perpetually nude cipher. I agree with you <laughs> because the show has absolutely no interest in anything about her interiority unless she's live streaming. Uh huh. Has there been a scene through four episodes of the show where she's been alone, expressing anything about what's existing inside of her? Uh, when she like wakes up in between when when uh, Leia like gives her her coffee and opens the curtain someone else wakes her like, up see ya so again okay so in this space I feel like if we were debating Sam Levinson like in the like like British Parliament uh -huh. I think he might say exactly this is a broken person who has never been left alone to become a person and is so dependent on others doing things for her that she ends up in this debauched and debased and manipulated state uh -huh. okay so it's an emotional drama about someone's abuse. But no, no, it's a satire, we're told. Okay, so it's a satire. So what's it satirizing? Is it satirizing? Well, I mean, you're getting into like a semantic debate about how it's being presented and how it's being... I, like, I just want to know what it is. Right. Is this a... Is it a uh, erotic thriller noir? Is it a satire of superficiality of celebrity and stardom in the pop music business? It can't business? be both. Is it... Uh, an, it could be both, but I think that it's nothing because it has no point of view. If its point of view is, look at these shitty people. Well, you could, do, you could just say that in a Demois post. You don't actually need to spend $200 million to make a TV show about it. I, 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 I I'm, what I'm trying to explain is the reason I'm rejecting the show at this moment is not because I'm out on the weekend's performance. I'm because I've reached this point where I believe the show is, actually has no point of view and is about nothing. So... Well, the reason I brought up Divine Randolph in the first place was that she did an interview with Vulture this ran this morning. That was about the production of it. And she refuted some of the reporting in the Rolling Stone, or at least mm. from her experience, it was like a really safe set or whatever. But she did talk about how it was about 50% scripted. Yes, that is clear. And I do think that this was an episode where some of the precision that could have come with scripting uh, yes. would have been a little bit helpful. Yeah, this is what happens if we stay on strike. There are things that, there are things that just didn't feel like they were in the same show or episode. Clearly And true. there were things that I was like, oh, like during that whole Xander getting shock collared thing, I was very... Say that again, please. So Xander, yeah. who is Jocelyn's creative director. Troy Sivan, who actually I think is one of the better actors on the show. And he... Uh, is caught singing in the shower by, by Tedros. And Tedros is like, why don't you sing? And he's like, oh, I tore my vocal cords. And then it turns out that he and Jocelyn, it sounds like they maybe were like on a Nickelodeon yeah, show or together. Yeah, a Disney show. And uh, Jocelyn's mother outed him. And it kind of basically ended his career prematurely. 
But then there is this like murky history between him and Jocelyn mm-hmm. because even though this is the case, he's also been living with Jocelyn and her mother for a long time and witnessed all this abuse that Jocelyn is talking about. But was also being kept under the thumb of this family and wasn't allowed to sing and had to mm-hmm. sign a contract, or so he says. And then on the flip side of it, Jocelyn's like, obviously starting to blame him primarily for no one stepping up and saying like, you need to get out from under this situation with your mom. She's abusing you, et cetera. And just because we all make money off of you doesn't mean that that's okay. And then there's just like this meltdown. And I was like, this is actually pretty interesting. Like these two, one failed, one Mm -hmm. still shining child stars who went through this like incredibly traumatic event, but also like the fog of memory that happens about it. Like there are little like, strands that I think probably could have benefited from not being like and then like what's more important is that the weekend is going to physically break this guy down and turn him into another one of his troll bots who's then going to get Rob in trouble uh, by you are you are right when you have this much talent and this many resources you can't help but turn up potentially good things you'd stumble into them and I completely agree with you that from, like, if you took it all the way back to Jump, Sam Levinson, with his, what interests him and what motivates him and his style, making a show about the afterlives of teen pop stars mm-hmm. feels almost too natural. That is a show. And it is a show that is of interest to people and there's a world that can be can touch reality a little bit before it veers off into basic instinct land. But that isn't this show because this is the weekend's vanity project. Right. Fundamentally, this is this is the weekend's vanity project, and it derails everything. And I don't know how much of any of these other things were in Amy Simons's version. I'm not. It's easy to hold that up as being quote unquote better. We don't know. It could have been a disaster in sure. its own right. But that did feel like it was a version that might be willing to focus or prioritize stories other than Tedros being compelling, scary, or a dink. Right. Because that's what the camera is most interested in in the show. That's what the edit is. And I think you're 100% right. This episode had a lot of scenes of Tedros and Jocelyn fighting that clearly weren't part. They were just acting exercises or whatever. Like it, the, how many days this went on with right. Mike Dean is unclear. Right. There's moments like Leah's behavior is totally inconsistent and bizarro. Where she is chafing and ready to go. And then she's in bed with Isaac. And then she's getting super soaked with tequila. tequila. Yeah. You know, all of these are apparently just moments apart. Yeah. And then there's like the whole like, Diane is with Tedros, but has now taken over Jocelyn's mainstream career, but is now coming back to kind of talk to Jocelyn, but also seems to be surprised that she has arrived at Jocelyn's house to find a party going on and was in love with Tedros. And now Tedros was with Jocelyn. Like, there's just like a lot of like, Stuff that's sort of subterranean in the show that I just, I am actually interested in. You know, I think it could, in a weird way, this this show could use a little bit more TV in it. There are some yeah. things that I think that they, it just does, that, that Levinson just does very well. Like, for instance, like even the cutting back and forth, somewhat playing with the timeline of like, this conversation is happening with, uh, like Leia having her conversations with Tedros but then like cutting ahead in time and then cutting away to where Divine Randolph is talking to Haim and like yeah. all that stuff is kind of like just, wow, you're like, it's well done. It just kind of, I find most of the episodes actually hit the same point in the second half 
Yeah. Where it becomes like you're saying a little bit more of like, are we just doing acting exercises? Are we just doing <laughs> improv games here? And it gets a little bit more complicated. And I think, or not complicated, it gets a little bit less, there's less to hang on to there. And, you know, this was not my favorite of these episodes. I, I think that I, I don't really know where it goes from here or what it does next, but I still was like curious about it. I think that your point is a good one in that like virtuoso, being a virtuoso at anything is super cool. But it just, if it ends up with a bunch of people just soloing, like congratulations, you're Steve Vai. Right. Like with this raw footage of interesting people doing crazy things like having a Hollywood party and ingesting cocaine. First of all, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> this shit is pushing boundaries. Right. You can cut it up with needle drops and weekend covering John Lennon songs. Like you can do all of this and make it look interesting and compelling and you can do it with some artistry i'm not saying that it's not this is i think there is a cynicism somewhere in here but i'm not sure if it's in the filmmaking or if it's in the like the hbo being like sure yeah. we'll just rubber stamp this and put this out on sunday night there are individual performances that are good and i think that i i don't i, I certainly wasn't i wasn't there um <laughs> i go to you know I, I go to baseball games and have a <laughs> cup of tea but all accounts that I've heard on the record and off the record from people involved in the show is that they were just like, let's just see what we can make here. And let's well, and scramble yeah, it. We the don't, people on we don't the have show, to leave because it's Weekend's house. The so, peop yeah, yeah, and the people on the show did not know what show they were on. They did not gav. Even like the professional actors who have won Emmy Awards. Like people like people have done things. Yeah. You know, or like, I, I, I don't know if Hank Azaria got the sides for what was happening in the studio that day, for example. Right. Good things have come from that type of arrangement, but that is the feeling here. And it just, it does rankle me that at the end of this, it does feel like two rich, talented men having carte blanche to be like, let's see what we get. Let's just see what we can get here. I don't think that being two rich, talented men in Hollywood makes them special. I don't think it makes them special, but I think then having to sit here and be like, that's really interesting what they came up with. Nobody made you do this. <laughs> all of this was enabled and all of this was a choice, you know? And, and, uh... and it, we get into this episode the Lily Rose Depp Jocelyn of it all. I mean, it's just like, what, what is even going on here? You know, she bought in and she's given it her all. Yeah. Um, and it's for this. I, Do you I, think, I think it's she, a bummer. She's not in on the Rob part, right? The Rob, uh, like, like entrapping Rob with the pictures of that woman, right? Right. Well, I mean, her motivations are crystal clear throughout. Right. So I feel confident. I'm trying in to figure out no. whether she's like breaking bad at all. No, because. I don't know if you heard the John Lennon song that The Weeknd is singing is Jealous Guy. So I'm putting... He's jealous, right? I'm putting one and one but together. She was also like, keep shocking that dude. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, I know. That was heavy. That was heavy when she was just like, you fucking suck. Let's, let's torture you. Are you being serious? No. Okay. You, but, but, also, but, but, but all the way back to the Destiny thing, which is really good performer that I like to watch doing something relatively interesting on the show, snooping around. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, I, and, and I, it would, maybe that was, you can almost imagine Sam Levinson being like, you are the detective now in this house of right. hers. Like that's, that is a cool framing. Right. That's not what this episode was. And her having to basically like, a, to humor Tedros while trying to figure out like what it is that's like going on here. But also, is she trying to figure it out? Because I think the show's central message is that everyone's shitty and trying to profit. And when she's just like, so I watched the scene with her and Cassie Crocodile Girl. Is that her name? Cassie? Uh, Chloe. Chloe? Yeah. Sorry, it's just, again, compelling characters <laughs> that just... Um, well, I was, I, for a second, because Cassie is, there's a Cassie in Euphoria. I think. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, when she's just like playing the song and is like not a well person 
And then later, Destiny is like, she's incredible. She sings poetry from her heart. And I'm like, I, what is, walk me through this. Because you're right, she shows up being like, this is some real fucking shit. This guy's a criminal. And then by the end of it, she both hates him, but she's like, man, this guy really gets good music out of people. And by the way, yeah. all this music sucks. <laughs> and maybe they'll come out and be like, newsflash, dorks, the music was supposed to suck. Uh-huh. I don't know. Do you feel like they're making hits here? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I kind of listen to pop music anymore, so I don't really know like what I do. Is, is like banging on the radio right now. The Freak song's all right. Well, that, that's, that's fucking Diane's song now. Yes. And World look, Class Center belongs to Diane. I am a Blackpink fan. Are you? Yes, I am. Wow. Okay. Blackpink gets airtime in the family car, <laughs> driving to school. Like, Blackpink's cool. And when I watch Jenny act, I think Blackpink is a good musical group. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's my takeaway. <laughs> All right. So, let's put a cork in it there. It's hard for me. I know. Do you want to keep going? Shots. This is a party. Do a shot with me. <laughs> I, I would. I'm done. Let's pivot to the bear. Okay. So uh, we're going to do four, that five, was, and six. That was like your march to Moscow just now. Was it? Yeah, you made it like a little bit. Then you heard, <laughs> and then I was like, you heard me and you were like, I'm good. No, I, what I don't want to do is <laughs> I, ha- I want you to have, I want you to be in a good place to talk about the bear. I think, you, I, think I should be riled up. You are riled Set up. Set the buzzer. Apparently rich guys aren't allowed to make TV shows anymore. <laughs> That's the takeaway here. No, only rich guys make TV shows. <laughs> Only rich guys are soon to be rich guys. I'm just saying. You're taking your sweater off. Like, are you getting hot? You're getting, getting heated in yeah, here. Okay. It's fucking summertime. I'm recording live from Dodger Stadium. <laughs> People think we're in person? No. No. I'm just doing batting practice. There's, I, there's a couple. My, my comment about that. Are we that, still talking about the idol? No, I, my, I like doing this. But just to clarify. Okay. What, what do you care? I'm just saying those two dudes. You're like, this is reprehensible. And you're like, wait, let me not be taken out of context. Yeah. Those two dudes, what? Because, here, here's the thing. I worry. Chris, yeah. I worry. You know, we talk into microphones. We can't control the dissemination of information. Uh-huh. You know, we're not, we're not Vladimir Putin. <laughs> we can't do it. And uh, That guy has an iron grip on just, the way information flows out of Absolute Russia. lockdown. Yeah. Remarkable. Uh, last, incredible comms. Last week, <laughs> last week. Well, Destiny and Chaim are his managers. <laughs> They're like, let's see where this goes. Yo, this fucking guy, Putin, is incredible. It's like they cut away from Putin and Mike Dean is in the background. Yeah. Exhaling smoke. Um, last week, we were like, let me be clear with you, America. Secret invasion is bad. Yeah. And here's why it's bad. And then I see a comment online being like, those fuckers would love the show if it didn't have scrolls in it. They're lying. I, I agree. No, it's a bad show. Oh, and it's I, a bad show I, I, because but I would be of way more into it if there weren't aliens in it. Yeah, but what if it was the same show? But I didn't see this comment. Was it thoughtful? <laughs> you mean a comment on the internet? <laughs> yeah, it was very nuanced and thoughtful. Where, I, was it on Facebook? I'm just saying I only get my information <laughs> from Facebook. I don't know where you get yours. So, <laughs> anyway, the for you tab on on Twitter. <laughs> one of my favorite things about Facebook, by the way, as you know, is like it just feeds you insane things that it thinks you will like. <laughs> and most of them now are related to... But Andy, you obviously wait. click on that stuff because you screenshot it and send it I don't to me. Click. So they clearly are like, this is working. I we don't click. keep sending How him. dare you? I don't click. Okay. I just... Most of it's about Legend of Zelda now. They can tell when you're hovering. Well, most of it's about Legend of Zelda when I'm hovering. Okay. Because that is really what's dominating my household. But then now, it's stuff like yesterday, it was just like Jean-Claude Van Damme fan club. <laughs> 
And it was like a picture of him and his children. And I did click on it because I was like, what? It had like 700 comments. And the comments were all, beautiful family. You are going to get so many (laughs) JCVD promoted posts now. It's so funny. Anyway, Um, I just want to be clear. That was a that was bad that show, uh-huh. and it wasn't just because of scrolls. And I want to be clear, I'm not anti rich men making television shows. <laughs> it's okay, <laughs> okay. I, I there are many many rich men making nice TV shows. I'm saying they have carte blanche. Some of them are your close friends. Some of them are some of them have been on this podcast. Yeah, I'm just saying that like this is what they're doing with it, and it just feels like. It just feels like ego and taking up space. And that it's a bummer because I don't see what's I greatly being done prefer with this. this to Secret Invasion in terms of use of time and money. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence. Are you? Yeah. Okay. That was a provocative comment. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. One thing you don't have to worry about cleaning up this spring season your wireless bill. Just switch to Mint Mobile. It's easy. And right now they have unlimited talk, text, and data plans for $15 a month when you buy a three-month plan. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash watch. That's mintmobile.com slash watch. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month for first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. I want to talk about the bear because I want to talk about good television. I want to talk about great television. Okay. Um, That's why we did the idol first. Do you want to talk about the episode that was made in a lab for you, which was episode four, Honeydew? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to talk about the episode that everybody is talking about, which is episode six, Fishes? Well, I got to be me. I only want to talk about five. Of course. Um, I, I find it hard to talk about... I don't think you can talk about one without the other. We, because, I mean, we can talk, we'll, let's speak in generalities be, be, before we get into specifics then. Because broadly... What I really, one of the things that I love about the show and its delivery of information and story and narrative and character is the way everything that defines the people we've already fallen in love with is connected to other pieces of them. And so the, the fussiness, the prissiness, the tweezeriness of Copenhagen cuisine as presented in the show and the life that Carmi has chosen, where you know you can use, you can just use blue tape in your own um, strength of will to make something that takes seven seconds, five seconds. All of that is because what eating is for him emotionally is episode six. Mm-hmm. One is the one is connected to the other. And it is, and they are both extremes. You know? And so it was I, I loved the juxtaposition of these episodes. Um, especially doing the, the way we're doing it, which is as a as a, a coursed out meal. Well, I mean, we didn't actually know this going into it, but so far we've chosen wisely. As it, with the, with the breaks, like yeah. Ending at three, ending at six. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll do the rest of the season for, for Thursday. Mm-hmm. But it is actually told in these, in these very dis- discreet chapters in some ways. So I, I, let's, let's talk about four. Let's talk, okay. about, uh, let's talk about Marcus walking the same cobblestone streets that I've walked. <laughs> Heartbaggery. Been there. Been there. The cardamom bun, sure. So is that where that. Will Poulter is working? I think... Think so? I couldn't really tell. Okay. Um, he goes t- to Hart. Uh, Marcus go- brings home a bunch of pastries, including the famous cardamom bun from Hart. I'm not a big cardamom guy. <laughs> Sato voce. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> cool that it has its own bun. But I just in Sweden, I was just like, I know it. that fika is a thing, yeah. and I enjoy the actual like act of it. Mm. But cardamom is not my jam. 
What about cardamom jam? Spread in a thin layer. (laughs) Uh, I actually don't have the answer as to whether that's where he is because it does seem like he's working at a, it's a bakery. They're serving plated desserts, so I don't know what it is. I think he's working in desserts in a very nice restaurant. I think so too. Yeah. I think so too. And then we see him do, you know, one of the amazing things about that city, it is that beautiful, it is that incredible, but it also is that open and friendly, at least in what I've observed and what I've heard from friends who are chefs in terms of walking into places and the community. Where like if you could go to Noma, you could probably be seated in some ways if you have connections or if you have a chef friend. But yeah, it's like the Magic Castle. But but more than that, you, it's exactly like the Magic <laughs> Castle. But even if you don't go to eat there, you can go to the gardens and see what they're doing. So with I could go to things. Noma if you were a cook. Yeah. And I oh, so it's just regular homies can't go to Noma and just be like, I'd like to observe. Um, I mean, I could I could send a DM. No, I want to know. I could DM I, Renee. It's not just rich guys who get to make television, okay? I get to go to Noma. Yeah, but only rich guys get to go to Noma. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Gatekeeping. Sorry, pal. Is Noma still open? Yeah. I thought he was wrapping up. No, they're back from Kyoto. It's a summer menu, vegetarian menu, just starting this Wait, week. I thought the whole thing was he, was he was closing Noma. I thought he was like, I've said what I wanted to say with this place. I think this iteration of Noma is ending in 25 with the seasonal menus, but... 2025? Yeah. Okay. They're that far out? Let me tell you something about my, my guy, Renee. No quitting him. No quitting <laughs> he's him. Got, he's got that dog he's in him. He's got that if dog in him. If you x-ray of Renee Redzepi, <laughs> <laughs> you see a dog in his heart. Kind of, yes. Kind of, okay. yes. So no, I think that was a little overheated. Oh, I thought it was like the whole thing was like, I've, I've like, my, my I, statement is complete. We're closing Noma and I'm going to like rethink how I want to like approach food. I think he's rethinking how he wants to approach um, restaurant dining. Yeah. But I think. Is he going to move more into like kind of like rustic fa- fast casual, food? Fast just, casual. Yeah. Just like, it's just like big plates you can share. Bowls. Yeah, everything let, let in a bowl. Tell, tell you a little bit about what we're doing here. Um, no, but I mean, it's also so much bigger than just that place now in terms of like the, the garden and the fermentation, like, like the, the projects For sure. and things. So, but that it is this kind of magical community. And I love that Marcus gets to have this experience. And I especially love the echo of it when in six, Carmi is like, it's a magical place. Yeah. And I lived and on a boat like, and I fed a ghost cat. Yeah, invisible cat. Um, we, let's not put cocoa in the ground just yet. No, I'd like to, I'd like to break some news here. So you think cocoa is, is, is left this plane? No, sometimes, I don't know if you ever do this, but as a podcaster, I say something and then I can't back down. <laughs> I, I, think, I think I'm well aware that that's... I think that it's, I think it's, it's finally time to be honest. <laughs> okay. You show some humility. Uh, I thought, so the, I think that the... Do you want me to tell you all the places I've been? <laughs> let's save that for like a little bit of an appendix at the let's end. Let's not do that. We could also do top 50 replacement songs. We could do a bunch of different um, things. Okay. Top, top five holiday dinners with the family. Yeah. <laughs> top five uh, solo Lindsey Buckingham tracks. Yeah. Because not just Holiday Road, but I Want You crops up in six. I think that the way that they laid out this season mm-hmm. and the way that they have figured out a way to sustain a show that in its initial conception and in its initial presentation was like burning so bright you wondered how long it could sustain mm-hmm. itself. And now they have figured out this way, not with like gimmicks, but with actual like, what if we did this with this person? Or what if we went back to this point in time? Or mm-hmm. what if this person went on this adventure? And the growth for the show between season one and two is remarkable in that way. You know what I mean? Like the way that they were like, okay, we'll probably do a third season. People really like this show. Oh yeah. How do we make this Interesting for ourselves, interesting for the people playing these parts, interesting for the viewers, but not getting away from what this show is about. 
And I, I was just blown away. I was blown away by these three episodes in that sense, you know, and which isn't to say take away anything from the individual episodes, because in a lot of ways, like, yeah, Marcus has like basically the best possible experience in Copenhagen, but I thought it was a beautiful depiction of like the kind of clarity mm -hmm. and self-discovery that sometimes happens with the dislocation of traveling someplace for a long time. You yeah. know, and being away and kind of seeing yourself in a different light and seeing what you do in a different light. And a beautiful performance by Lionel Boyce, who's mm -hmm. just great and has the exact right um, demeanor in a way. It's a strange word to use, I guess. But you feel his excitement and a little bit in, of insecurity, not necessarily as a performer, but maybe as a cook, mm -hmm. like in these, space, in these spaces. And how does he take up space in these spaces? And Will Poulter was really good, too, because he has to move in a way that is plausible, you know, yeah. and I, and I'd be curious what he did to prepare for that himself, but he he's has to have be, authority. He's got to be obviously better at mm -hmm. it than, than Mar Marcus yeah. in the beginning of it. Yeah. He has to be, he has to be believable. So it's, it was, a, it was lovely. It's a lovely episode, but I think to the other point you're making, all of the best shows aren't really about what they, they pretend to be about, you know, um, succession, the business part was interesting and compelling and made for great drama, but it was about the emotional state of the yeah. family. Um, I love industry because of the amazing writing and performances, but mostly because the conceit of, of money and, and that level of finance it's puts, abstract almost. puts people, puts the people at the highest possible stakes of themselves. Yeah. So that it's the, what we see is just so intense and, and interesting. Yeah. Cause betrayal gets magnified in, in a yeah. situation and, like that. And part. what's so incredible about the bear is that people, I mean, food is it abstract? I mean, it's everything, and it's also absolutely nothing. And that's why you talk about, like, well, you don't really remember the, what you ate at that restaurant that was the greatest meal of your life. You remember how you were treated and who you were with and the conversation, and et cetera, et cetera. This show has found a way to make food both, to make it central unifying principle, but immediately understood that it's never going to be just about what's on the plate. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and all, of what, all of the disparate stories that fed into what is served to someone, presumably in the final episode of this season, um, it's so much more than just chopping and searing. Yeah, I mean, I also think that there's something about this season and about this, the, 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 this group of episodes specifically, but the in season in its entirety, that's about what you owe your past and like what you owe your sort of roots and your origin story and like, you know, your traumas, but also just like you're a guy from Chicago who makes desserts. Like, mm -hmm. could you be a guy who lives in Copenhagen who makes desserts? Yeah. Well, how does that change how you look at doing what you do? And there's so much stuff in this, in this season that's about the idea of failure versus the idea of success and what constitutes what. I thought that the Lucas stuff where he's talking about, like, I thought I was the best mm -hmm. and then I cooked next to somebody who made me realize not only was I not, I was never going to mm -hmm. be. And I got so much better just by chasing that person. And, you know, in a lot of ways, I think I can't help but watch the show and think about the making of the show or mm -hmm. thinking about the making of anything, you know, and how hard it is to do something, especially something so forward-facing like cooking or, or making art, where mm -hmm. you're like, the whole point of this is that it's supposed to be consumed at a certain point. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. and like what goes into that and what goes in what it does to the people who are doing it. And I think it just it just is the most thought provoking 
look at something like that while also maintaining this very, very, very strong bone structure of a TV show that I really like about people that I care about. And food is also so interesting and in some ways unique in that it is a passport to a very odd and exclusive world. Because the path that Tina and Sydney and Marcus and Carmen are taking to get to these places, these cities, these venues, these ingredients, these opportunities, is in no way the same path that the people who are going to pay $200 for a tasting menu at the Bear or wherever else are taking. Mm -hmm. You know, and so the extremity of the disconnect, first of all, from the Brazado family dinner to when he's serving the United Nations in New York, presumably a few months later, right? Or the, not that Marcus has a bad life in Chicago, but what, what dominates his thinking in taking care of his mother and getting on the, the L and all of those things mm-hmm. versus living on a boat and just thinking about the way something tastes, yeah. operates. It's, it's very different. And the, the kind of, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's work. It's not always art. And that collision too is so, is so interesting and so fascinating to observe and so, and so keenly observed by the show. It was really lovely. I also think that it's just in terms of structure, the show really excels. It's, you know, the sh- until episode six, it's relatively standard, short episodes. Mm-hmm. And the little hint, you know, Sydney on the, on the FaceTime, you know, just to remind you about what's going on. It's yeah. just very artfully done. So it doesn't feel like we're just taking this little trip because we could. It feels connected. I also think it's worth mentioning that Rami Youssef directed the yeah. fourth episode and uh, Christopher Storer worked on Rami. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought that the visual sensibility was different, but still of a piece of the bear, you know? So you get to see the way another person would view this world. Obviously, it helps to not be in Chicago and not be in the restaurant, not be in the the kind of chaotic world of that. But it kind of suggests what the world outside of the bear looks like. It's something that I think that the idol could benefit from, for mm. instance, is a couple of more trips away from the house. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, I think the idol is suffering by the fact that it's like, well, we could just shoot at Abel's house, so we could just shoot well, all day long. And, like... Also, we burned our budget for locations when we shot the show the first time and then sure, threw it out. Sure, But, like, that is a show that it would be, like, the my favorite part of the idol was when she went shopping, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, my, my favorite parts of the bear are the fact that even though it's about this restaurant and making this place, I don't know if you could do... 10 episodes nonstop with people screaming at each other and and drills going off. I don't know if it would be a fun thing to watch. Now, it's not like the d- diversions that they take are always like calming, as we will talk about with six, but five is a really good example of that. It's like, mm-hmm. can Carmi go to a fucking party or what? Because he never has, yeah. apparently. The thing, I and mean, I, I think we touched on this a little bit last week and just moving to episode five for a second. Like when the order comes in, from the floor of the restaurant to the kitchen, you have a certain amount of time and you have to deliver a really good version, if not a consistently great version of the thing that they've asked for. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think about that with the, with the way the show nails opportunities time and time again, where you set up, and we were praising Molly Gordon in that great uh, meet cute with the, um, with the, what's he holding? He's holding... Um, Vanilla ice cream. But it's I not. Think. It's not? It's not ice cream. It's uh, veal stock. And she's oh, like, yeah. are you making it? And he was like, oh, that would taste good, actually. Um, you have the meat cute. And so then- That the, sounds like it would taste fucking gross, honestly. <laughs> well, you haven't been to Copenhagen, Chris? I feel like- Do they do a lot of veal stock Sundays there? I don't want to like get into the details, okay. you know, but before 25, I think you should go and see what's see what's happening. 
you know, like over there, <laughs> like live in a boat with the dead cats. Sorry. Um, what I'm saying is you've set up uh, something that everyone loves. I, like, I can't get over the fact that you're in a t-shirt now. Like I'm hoping we get to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. <laughs> bench pressing with you by the end of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's summer, man. Sun's out, guns out. Um, except on the road to Moscow. Um, so you have this opportunity to do something that I think has a 100% approval rating with people who watch entertainment, which is cute people who have clearly have chemistry falling yes. in love. And yeah. you can, so how are you going to do it? That's an opportunity. And then they, they write these scenes and things and they nail it, you know, with the, with the things that you want, the hesitation, the interruption, the f- fact shows up at the exact wrong time. But like, that's what we want from this type of entertainment. And that type of entertainment is not necessarily always served in the same meal as the family dinner in episode six. But guys, this is chaos menu. Mm-hmm. And we're getting the best of all the different dishes. And so I loved it. Like, did I fully understand the conceit of like, who's having this kind of like 19-year-old party when they're all in their mid to late 30s? I didn't re- fully, like, was this like I think old things, high school things friends? Things go differently in Chicago. Is I think it, people like, they have house okay. parties. Yeah. All right. I, I, was, I was just unclear that they were all that old so for neighborhood. Think, it's neighborhood. Do you think they're late friends, 20s right? or mid 30s? Uh, She's finishing her residency. So I guess she'd probably be in her early 30s, I would imagine. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think so. I know I mean, a lot about medical school, so it's, that tracks. <laughs> I mean, you could you could have done it, <laughs> and in ways you did. Like you got the gist. Uh-huh. <laughs> you watched a lot of House in the early two thousands. Um, yeah, I mean, you start to lose it when you're like, so Bernthal, who's I think older than us, is the older brother mm-hmm. of the family. So it's a large, but it doesn't matter. Um, I, they take advantage of it, and it's delightful. And it's very sweet. I'm fully invested in them. And I love that he brings her into the absolute craziness. Right. And well, I, I think he's hoping hang. he's going to bring her there and they're all going to be gone by then, right? I, he definitely is, yes. but he should know better. I also want to say, Maddie Matheson is a good actor. Yes. There are no bad actors on this show. He is, that's, biz, that's crazy. It's crazy because, you know, Chris, I think there are very few examples that we can point to recently where someone being successful or famous in one field and then they try to become an actor in a TV show. And, uh, you know, I can't think of another example, not even on this podcast, but I would imagine that the odds are low of them also being good at acting. But weirdly, he's completely, he's got a real character and he's present in every scene and he's hanging with good actors. And it's a, do you watch his YouTube at all? No, it's, that's not who Maddie Matheson is. Oh, I have seen him. Yes. I've seen his, like who he is in the world. Yeah. He's, and he's awesome. And, and you can tell a lot of his cooking is very influential on the cooking of the show. But I would say that he is doing a really good job as like a member of a rogues gallery of people that yeah. are in this guy's life. I think it was worth mentioning for five that they uh, do a really great job in the show of having pop cultural conversations in the background, mm. but not making it too, too, too obvious. So the replacement stuff that comes up a few times and then... You mean like the needle drops? Yeah, no. The- I mean, but they they talk about the replacements. Like, I think... Is that what they're I saying? I think Feck is talking about the replacements, the electrician. I couldn't to I didn't pick up him. on it. Yeah. He's like, Tim, a lot of people like Tim, but pleased to meet me is like, you know. Uh, um, yeah. Tim is better than pleased to meet me. Uh yeah. Yes. I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not. I think the down. highs of Tim are better than the highs of pleased to meet me. Oh, see, I don't see I think 
You think hot- Alex Chilton and Can't Hardly Wait are better than anything on Tim? And Skyway, like, like and Valentine are all on Please. Do you Please. just like arguing with me now? Yes, but <laughs> Tim is a better album. Because I'm agreeing with you. It seems like you're not. <laughs> I was agreeing with you. You're just kind of an all shook down guy, I guess. <laughs> um, I just love the fact that like they'll have those little snippets. So Richie's super into Ridley Scott and shit. And then, you know, Fex, obviously, the, the music guy. But the music thing, I do want to talk about that because I think it could potentially be divisive. And I say potentially in that someone has texted me recently being like, that's the only thing I don't like about the show is it's just these like thunder, like hammer hammering obvious needle drops because they take it needle drops are really powerful especially when you have a show that is working emotionally sometimes you don't need that i have said repeatedly it it is who they are yes and it is cooking with soul and i also think that it's ingenious the way that they have gone back to certain songs as themes i thought that was interesting parts of the show so strange currencies is obviously that's the carmy's theme song because there's no score right uh, I think that there is some music you will see in later episodes. There is, there are, there are some, some things going on that I think that they are using. Yeah, I, I think the other issue, potential criticism, and I'm strawmanning this because I'm not on this team with needle drops, is that you are um, trying to communicate emotions that you're unable to do in the script and or show off your cool music taste or whatever. And I, I, I would say that to me, it's more like you know, why is this sauce so good in the restaurants? Because they fucking put, put butter, butter on it. it. Right. And that's kind of how I feel about them consistently choosing the most important songs <laughs> of our teenage years. Um, but that it just is the show and there is something that is big hearted and shameless about it in its emotional no, I storytelling. I, I mean, like, I, 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 it, would it would the show be the show without this music? Maybe. Like, I think I mean, it'd be fine. It's wild in six when it's just like, yeah, Don't Dream It's Over is playing for these 26 yes, seconds. It's right. nuts. So, but great. Let's go into six. It works. Because... The music in six is the first time where I was like distracted by the music a little bit, where I was like, is this music playing in this house? Right. And is this a mix or something? Or is this just like Pete made the mix? <laughs> That's he got in trouble for it. Okay, so six is the one that I think a lot of people have been talking about. It's clearly the kind of uh the takeout episode of of the uh of this season. It's a standalone flashback episode that introduces several new mm-hmm. characters, some of whom we've heard about in passing. But the most important ones are obviously uh, Bob Odenkirk playing Uncle Lee, who is mentioned in the first episode, mm-hmm. I believe, when they're taking out the loan from Cicero. From Uncle, for Oliver Platt's character. Yeah, and he, he has a, co- a company with Cicero. I want to say up top, yeah. I don't understand who's related to who and who is just being... Oh, called cousin I, or uncle. I thought you a, had an org chart, Brazado family org chart. Because there's obviously the Brazados are Italian. Then there seems to be a Polish wing of the family. Yeah, and Michael is Jewish. And I would they're Jewish. We son. do not have a father figure in the house. He's, he, I imagine he's dead, right? He. The, it seems to be a point of contention with Michael. I'm only joking about his Judaism because John Bernthal. Is, yes, is a I understand of the tribe. Yeah. He's like which it's I'm my father's about. house, yes. which means I imagine that he has passed away. Yes. But these other guys are around. They would not be named Brazado, presumably. The, the, the facts also play a role. Around. Yeah. Um, I have no idea who Sarah Paulson is in relation to them, other than all families have the one cousin that lives in New York. Yeah. Everybody has that cousin. And she's, but she's a Brazado, though. Seems to be. And John Mulaney is her husband. Yeah. And. Yeah, so I, I agree with you. I, I'm glad you so said that up front. So a little bit of confusion. Can I, can I say one other thing up front? Up yeah. top, I thought, 
Oliver Platt is low-key giving my favorite performance on the show. I think he's fucking unbelievable in every scene he's in and elevates the show beyond a very, already very high place. Okay. I agree with you. He's doing incredible work. So one thing that I've seen people discuss online about okay. this is that essentially what the bear did so well mm-hmm. in its initial sort of presentation is the thing that TV still does better than movies is, hey, we found these people. Yes. And now... On one hand, like you're going to fall in love with them. The problem with that is that you're probably not going to be able to think about Jeremy Allen White not being Carmi or uh, Aoeta Beery not being Sid, Mm -hmm. you know. But you're going to fucking discover these people and Mm -hmm. just like in Mad Men and just like in Lost and just like in Cheers, like you're just going to have this investment with these people. This kind of upsets the apple cart where you walk in you get this opening kind of family reunion between Bernthal, Abby Elliott, and Jeremy Allen White's characters. And they go into this house as a house of a fucking thousand Twitter's faves casting choices. Yeah, John Mulaney, Sarah Paulson, Bob Odenkirk, and Gil- then Jamie Lee Curtis. Gillian Jacobs. Gillian Jacobs, and then Jamie Lee Curtis as the matriarch of the Brazado family, as Donna, a.k.a. Dee Dee. Yeah. Did you find that distracting at all? I am torn. Because I have a lot of positive things to say about this episode. And I think that, you know, these, it's episodes like these and the, the, the similarly bravura episode from season one, um, that was the one episode, where you see that Chris Storer, who's the creator of the show and the co-showrunner, is a filmmaker and wants to make indie films. And what an opportunity he had to make one with this, with this cast. And, and with, the, with the directorial flourishes and the, the, the cuts to the buzzer. I mean, it, it's... It's the type of filmmaking that he clearly excels at. And there is, contrary to what I said about uh, men doing whatever they want earlier in the podcast, when people are following their muse fully, it can be pretty thrilling mm-hmm. and, and exciting to see. Um, I also th- continue to think that this show is more interested in digging deep into emotional interactions and conversations and writing than almost anything else on television. I think in a completely different way, Succession was excellent at that too. But characters who you come to know, love, understand, empathize with, coming to the table with knives out yeah. or forks out yeah. makes for incredible stuff. And the, 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 the entry points to these conversations, the context, like we were saying with Robert Townsend as Sidney's dad last week, like that anecdote, that it, they're all so well chosen that I just find it incredible. And that the type of emotional narcissism displayed by the, the mother figure, by their mother, you don't often see things like that. And it was remarkable. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was like, what if we did Long Day's Journey into Night in the middle of this bear season? We, so I have nothing, but I just, I'm, I'm in awe. I'm impressed. I'm taken with it. There are scenes that I would like to rewatch. The casting is a thing. The casting is a thing. Now, I also understand that there's an element of this, which is this isn't the show. Um, the way everything about this was different, the credits, the beginning, and then at the end, it said the Burzato family as played by almost as if I think the title of the episode is the Burzatos, right? Yes. Or like it when, when they, cause he does like the Goodfellas, the titles going across the screen thing Mm -hmm. in the beginning with the Darlene love song playing. I think it's called the Burzatos. Yes. And then it said as played by or whatever at the end. And, and it, it does feel like a rep theater doing these memories, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and showing us things. So you can get into the spirit of it. But it was a stretch for me. 
at times. You know, the, I think I think the problem Odenkirk, is, is that when I go through every single one of the performances, mm. I'm like, I loved it. No one was bad. Paulson was amazing. I thought Paulson and Mulaney were actually like kind of mesmerizing in some ways. Like Paulson seemed to fully be a person who has left this family, is successful in New York, likes to have a cigarette, is living with this guy. You know, this is the type of role that she always seems most comfortable. Like she wants to play. You yeah, know? but like I feel like we often get pushed to, like towards her doing like yes. the decathlon in her performances, I and agree. it's like, hey, look at her just do a four hundred meter run here. This is it's just a real great. person now. And I thought Mulaney was kind of a revelation. You know, uh, I did not know he could act and be in a scene like that. I not really familiar. If does he acted a lot? No, I mean, I, I don't think you've seen the Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie. Um, that, is he that, a voice in that, or is yeah, he, he yeah. and Sandberg? And but he, I just he's quite mean compelling like, in that. I mean, like, just being a real dude in a in a, in a not thing. really no, no, pretty amazing. Odenkirk is incredible. Yeah, Odenkirk lives in this. Is world. fucking incredible. And, and it's the other thing that you know, one of the joys of this because uh, this show fucking loves things so deeply. It's big. It's like a big love, and they fucking love actors. And they're listening to actors and they're paying attention to actors. And so what is what have we watched Bob Odenkirk do over the last, not just 25 years, but particularly like last 10 years, is go from like a funny Chicago guy to a funny actor guy yeah. to an actor guy to a what's underneath all of it. He will get he will go to the basement and bring it up. Yeah. And so what does he do just in this one episode? And I imagine we'll see more of him is literally that arc that I just said. Yeah. It says ask him to do the thing that he fucking does now. It was awesome. Bernthal, kind of a bad wig. Yeah. Kind of a fucking knockout performance. That guy can really do uh, it. Him at the head of the table with the fork scene is, uh, you're like, in the mo- you When you're watching it, you are at the table where you're yeah. like, Mike, please don't do this. Mikey, please don't do this. Mikey, please and don't. And part of that is the, 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 the brilliant coverage and editing so that what we live with as much as his impotence and rage and whatever he's working through, we also see everyone stand, sitting quietly in horror. So we feel their yes. horror as well. Do you want to do Wayne Jenkins at the Feast of the Seven Fishes? Like, is this an opportunity? I don't for think you? I am. I want to actually just. I yeah, sure. But like, I just want to know. It's cool to see him. He is actually like an. He's an amazing actor. He's an amazing actor. And his, his like their little moment in the pantry, where he's like, "Tell me three things about Copenhagen." Like, it just it's just so fucking tender, and amazing. Uh, like their whole thing with like Claire's a fucking wizard like it's all that shit is so good I'm throwing flowers around because I'm gonna get up to the point which I don't really want to do which is that the Jamie Lee Curtis performance didn't really work for me personally not on on the level of which the other performances did and I don't think it's her fault or anybody's fault it was just a personal thing and I say this as somebody who has been in dinners like this before yeah do you know what I mean like I've I've it's not unfamiliar to me, even as an only child, um, to see this kind of stuff. Well, you're a great guest. I People try invite to, you to all. Yeah, I try to do. I'll do whatever you guys need. You know, I, I'm a good middle. I, I, <laughs> oh yeah, I, I I agree with you. I mean, I'm of two minds about it because again, I think that the show is so big hearted and it loves. It loves the people who are willing to love it back and give them so much, yeah. you know, and show up. And that's what so much of this episode was. I mean, it was people being like, you've given me this opportunity. I'm going to play in the sandbox. And I, I I bumped a little bit more on Mulaney carrying so much weight, but he didn't really. The, not, when he's just like, yes, I have $500 because I'm a 43-year-old man. <laughs> he's not. He, he, he fits in. Yeah. He does fit in. I, 
And 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 since they were doing this at a certain point, it would have been weird not to cast people who were noteworthy. You do get down the line of like, how are any of these people related to each other? But I'm willing well, to accept. Apparently that. not, though. They're not right because so, there's an Italian man, like of course, the, classic Italian guy, Sarah Paulson. But you yeah, know. exactly. I think I, I'm I'm circling around to Jamie Lee Curtis too to say that. Um, speaking of love and affection, like Abby Elliott didn't have a ton to do the first season. Dude, I thought Abby Elliott was great in this episode. She played the silence at the end as well as anyone played anything in the episode. She was destroyed. And it was a deep wound, you know. And that's that's acting. That's an incredible performance. I totally agree with you. The other standout moment for me was the moment when Oliver Platt ag- agrees to pretend that he's given Richie a job. Yes. You know, um, the three of them playing that scene together like they've been squash partners for years and Evan Moss Backrack just just the empathy and everything he does even the funniest shit we should also make room for Jeremy Allen White who is the best scene partner maybe in anything at the moment to play the same character who is a wall half the time but can get in the fucking arena with any of these actors and be generous enough to let them own the scene is really something while but still coming out I as the I really star of the like show. the fact, so we just did Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade on the rewatchables. Yes. And one thing that's really kind of, if you watch it with this, uh, knowing this, if you watch the flashback in the beginning of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, with, so it's uh, the River Phoenix scene. Yes. And where he goes and he yeah, finds the Indy. cross of Coronado and then he yeah. runs through this circus that's on a train. Mm-hmm. And every single thing that happens to him in each car is why this is why Indy has a bullwhip. Now this is why he has a hat. This is why he's afraid of snakes. It's like the day that made Indiana Jones. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that this is not the dinner that made Carmi. Carmi's already fucked up. Yeah. Carmi already can't talk. Carmi's already gone to Copenhagen to get away from his family. Everybody, like, even when the dinner goes atomic, what does Odenkirk say that makes Mikey flip? He's like, that was bound to happen. And now that it has, maybe we can all relax. Yeah. And, you know, even in the, right before it starts, when uh, they're, they're yelling at each other and, and Michelle is like, ah, we have liftoff. You know, yeah. like, this is a yearly annual event, if not more than that. They are all aware that this is going to happen. This is all already why they are the way they are. We don't find out that day that this is why Carmi wanted to be a chef. No, we understand now. And he's also given us this. That's also a testament to the performance in all the episodes leading up to this is, you know how you, uh, if you did the x-ray, it wouldn't be dogs inside of him. It would be this dinner. Yeah. Right? That's why he is the way he is. It's why he seeks immaculate control. But it's this dinner like in totality. It's not this specific dinner. Exactly. This might be the dinner where mom drove her car through the front door. But there are other ones. I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. I I totally agree with that. We Um, we just, we we were on the exit ramp to talking about Jamie Lee and then we Oh, I I don't really, I I guess what I want to say is and went back to the highway and kept driving. I I guess the only thing I want to say is I really love for her this era of her career where she's like, I yeah. have been an actor and Absolutely. a performer. This has and, nothing to do with and, like... But no, but yeah. what I mean is, and you're not arguing this either, where she's just like, she's chaos menu. She's like, fuck it. Like, let's go. I used to be pigeonholed into these types of parts and I looked this way and I did these things and, and it was fine. And, you know, and she's memorable and great. And she's fucking going for it now. And that's incredible for any performer at any age. Yeah, and, and I in think this that And in this and everything everywhere, I respect the hell out of it, even if I'm not... Her is the matriarch of this family, of this loud Italian-American family was a bump for me. I think maybe some of it was just that like it, it distracted me because I was just like, that's Jamie Lee Curtis. And that's not her fault. Yeah. And and some of it might have been that her 
portrayal of someone who is going through the mental health crisis that mm-hmm. this character is obviously experiencing. I don't know. It just it maybe I can, is it is it enough to say that it's just, was it it was it didn't quite work for me. But that is in and of itself just like I want to like kind of like put it in perspective. Like totally, I still thought the episode was incredible, well, uh, and I thought she actually was convincing as the person who holds so much sway yeah. and holds so much real estate over these people. I, I, I also think it's worth noting that the reason this episode wouldn't work, and I think that it did work. The thing that would stop it from working is that if there were stars at that table, not actors, and there were recognizable actors, absolutely everyone showed up to subsume themselves in the world of this show. Mm-hmm. And probably only for a few days or whatever, however long they Absolutely. Shot this, yeah. It must have been remarkable. That must have been a remarkable time to shoot and then not talk about for however long they didn't talk about it. But um, that is, it's really, it's, it's really special and it's another big swing. But yeah, maybe it's an example of like, I don't have that. I don't, I don't have like a big family. And so I don't know chaos like that. Well, I, I mean, I am, I live in fear of chaos like that because there is no chaos in a very proper only child family, right? Like maybe there ought to be a little more chaos. Yeah. I, at least I, so I thought before I watched this episode. Now I'm like, no, I'll, I'll sit in silence and occasionally <laughs> talk about British novels. That's probably preferable to this. Uh, it, it, it's wild, but like, and again, if we get the chance to talk to to Chris and Joanna about the show, which I hope we do, like, it's just a remarkable compass that they have, especially after the success and the hype of the first season, to just deeply and just seemingly effortlessly understand what their show is. Mm-hmm. Here's what we do, whether we're doing it in Copenhagen or we're doing it in the past in a nightmare dinner, we are still this show. And this is where our fences are. And, you know, I think that's where that's when things go astray. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, I wonder whether or not it's like she has to go big because she has to have this kind of, she has to make this kind of impression on viewers to understand that, like. They're all in terror of her. They're yeah. all, all totally, for, I mean, they're all abused right. by her, by this behavior. Um, even, the, you know, it's not it's traditional physical abuse, but this Did is. Did you get the abusive. impression that she and Odenkirk's character had hooked up at some point? And yeah. that's why Michael is like, oh, you, we're doing this again? Or was he just trying to give her a job? Well, that was when I started to get a little confused about the org chart. Because, yeah, there, but there's a lot of flirtation with both uncles. And there's her sense, you know, that she's sort of sexualized and flirty. I got that sense that there was something. But I, but it's not really yeah. made, made clear. Uh, that was all I had for this. Now, you've watched ahead secretly, right? I have. I finished the season. It goes off a cliff, right? It's terrible. Yeah. Thank you. Especially when they when they find the hatch. Wow. No. Yeah, I, which, uh, which which can one I give is, you a little a little crumb? Will you let me know? Blink twice if Odenkirk is a scroll. I think that the seventh episode, the the sub, the next episode, yeah. is my favorite episode of the Bear. Really? Yes. Uh, full like whole series. Yeah, I think so. Wow! I can't wait to watch it here in front of you guys at the studio when we record on Thursday. <laughs> There's a lot of fucking baseball to watch. The best, the best part when I was watching on my laptop is that there was, I think, I think it was the maybe it was the Mulaney thing or one of the Mulaney things that was that was pretty funny. And every, you both looked and you were like, are, "Are you laughing at the thing that I'm doing?" Like you, you I don't know, you were watching something else. And no, you're like, I think are you me and me? Kyle were talking, and you were like laughing, and I was like, "Are you laughing at what we're talking about?" Because you were talking about me. No. I can't remember what we were talking about. You were talking about. about the way baseball has been degraded by these changes. <laughs> That's a really good segue to say that we were produced by Kaya McMullen today. Thank God. Thank God, um, Kaya is here and, for this. Thank uh, you. We'll be back on Thursday to conclude mm-hmm. our watch of the bear. So six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 
So a lot, a lot so we've of done you, six, seven, eight, seven, nine, eight, ten. nine, ten. So a, a big healthy serving for you. For me, yeah, yeah. And then um, I'd love to talk about I am Virgo. Oh yeah, the Boots Riley, Boots Riley show. show so maybe we could do that for Thursday as well. And I hope hope we get some headlines. You know who I've seen? Hey, you know what I didn't know hmm. is that Fran Drescher is like in charge. She's the president of SAG. She is like the fulcrum on which all of Hollywood yeah. swings right now. Yeah. She you think took swing a- on a fulcrum? Hinge. Hinge. Hinges. She took over that esteemed position from Gabrielle Carteris, who is Andrea on 90210. Well, I watched a video mm. of Fran Drescher giving some updates on negotiations yeah. with, with the studios, mm-hmm. and I could not not hear the nanny talking to me. Do you think that's a plus for SAG? Or an, I have no comment on that. Okay. I have no comment. I mean, what if I become a, an actor one day? What if? I remember some of those Grandland videos. You did the, Yeah, you, but I don't have a cart. You were a scab? You didn't get any benefits for that? It's called being independent. I thought you were, is SAG-AFTRA, like, you are actor's equity, but not SAG, right? Like, yeah. you, can, you can perform on Broadway. I, oh, definitely can. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And would you only like to make in, an announcement? Only in hair, though. Oh. Yeah. I thought, I saw that there was a, um, a new production of Sondheim's Merrily We Roll Along coming this fall with Daniel Radcliffe and Jonathan Groff, and I imagined you were the third call. That's probably it. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I, the Boots Riley show, I'm excited to see. He's been, he's been on the picket lines. I've seen him a couple of times. There you go. Cool. Any hat. updates from you? We want to give anybody at minute 74. Do you want to <laughs> let us know how things are going? It's not great, Bob. I know. I mean, there have been well, no... You have a great tan. That's what's important. Thanks. Well, that's from uh, <laughs> right field, the right field line. Um, no, I mean, there's no negotiations. That Not because the writers won't, but because the studios, this is the playbook. They're waiting until 90 days into the strike, and then they can start force majeuring and canceling overall deals. I see. At which point, then, there might be negotiation, but no, there's absolutely nothing. Okay. I waiting, hate to hear that. Waiting on Fran, really. Fran's got to bring this home. <laughs> um, thanks to Kaya. Thanks to all our listeners. And thanks to Andy Greenwald. That's me. Yeah. Okay, thank you, too. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.